Now, look, this one's a little bit more serious. It's been rumoured that Steve Carell's character on Anchorman, Brick Tamlin, was inspired by you. Is there any truth to that? And if so, do you, in fact, love Lamp? <laughs> you know what? You have, you've exposed it. This is, this is an exclusive you've got here. It's a Sam Max exclusive because... G'day, g'day, and welcome back to another episode of A Lot to Talk About. It is your boy, captain of the ship, the man in charge, Bradley J. Driver, as always. Call me Brad. Pumped to be here with a guest who I was able and had the pleasure to meet very recently on national TV in front of a few hundred thousand people. He's an absolute gentleman. You'll know, and I'm sure you'll love him from seeing him every morning on Channel 7's morning show, Sunrise. He is, as he describes, the accidental weatherman, and he's the guy that the nation's fallen in love with. So, ladies and gentlemen, from your home, your car, or wherever you are, give a very warm welcome to the one, the only, Mr. Sam Mack. How are you, mate? Brad, the captain. It's good to see you, mate. Now, I've got to check straight off the bat. Are you actually a qualified captain, or are you one of those captains that's just winging it, much like the captain of the Costa Concordia a few years ago? Too soon, or we went there? Yeah, we we did go there, and I will say that my name as the captain has nothing to do with my ability to navigate or manoeuvre a vessel, a floating vessel per se, on any body of water um, or through any area in the world. So it is purely a self-proclaimed nickname. You know what it was? We got to the point where the show used to be called um, The Experience with Bradley J. Driver, which is very Joe Rogan-esque. And I was like, I need my own name because as long as that man's got the Rogan, the Joe Rogan experience, he'll own like that tag of experience. (laughs) And all my mates used to call me The Experience, right, off the back of the show. It was like a bit of a piss take. And I was like, well, I can't be the experience anymore. So what am I? And in the intro, I've always just said the captain of the ship. So we just come up with a captain. So that's kind of where it's rolled from. And I'm just I mean, trying to make I, it stick. I, I like it. I mean, I'm happy to help. I mean, look, you know, for, for our, our Spanish listeners, you're El Capitano, I imagine. Yes. Um, yeah. I think maybe a little trip down to the local costume store to get yourself a captain's hat, maybe a, yeah. get a printed name, name tag and, and really commit to the captain because that's all you need to do. If you own something, if you tell people that that's what you are, people will believe it. You know, and I've just got to shot my face into more memes from that Tom Hanks movie. Um, that I'm the captain now scene. Um, yeah. That kind of feels, it feels very relevant for me, but mate, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Um, I know we're going to have plenty of laughs throughout the course of this episode, because in the short time that we got to meet um, a good month or so ago now up in Hyde Park in Sydney, um, as I had the pleasure of being on your show and being a part of your segment to share my story. Um, one thing that dad and I said is, you know, dad was there in the background with me on that day. Um, you're a very genuine guy and it was a real pleasure to meet you. You can see, why the nation loves seeing you on telly and why so many people are big fans of Sam Mack. I'm so interested to hear about how all this happened because, you know, there's very few weathermen that grace morning (laughs) television here in Australia and you're one of them. So how did the career begin? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on and, and mutual respect. I I love meeting you and your dad. I I was lucky on that morning, some mornings with the show, um, viewers of the show will know that I'm on every half an hour. And sometimes, you know, that involves going to different locations or meeting different groups of people and kind of running around and you just get there in time. Because even though we're on every half an hour, we kind of have to be ready to go about five to 10 minutes before the cross, just in case, because it's a live show, in case something drops out or a guest falls over, we need to be ready to go. So 
the good thing about the morning I met you was we actually had time to have a bit of a chat off the air. So I really got to, you know, have a good conversation with your dad and got to learn a little bit about what you guys were doing with um, 42 for CF and, you know, the, the marathon runs. And I just loved it. And that's one of the real joys that I take in my role and why I've, I guess, managed to do it for so long. I've done it for five and a half years and I, and I think I'll keep doing it because every day there's a new adventure and every day there's a new person with a new story. And I feed off the passion of the people that I meet. And if they're excited or if they're passionate about something, then that's contagious. And I like to then, I take it as a personal mission to do the best job of selling and explaining your story in two minutes. And you've got to really get ruthless with your editing. You're doing a lot of self editing. So while I was chatting to you off the air, I'm kind of honing in on, all right, these are the key parts of this story. This is what we need to do to communicate it so that we can give you and us the best Mm. outcome in that two or three minutes that we have. So in terms of uh, how did I get to this position? Well, I, I, I really never set out to become a weatherman. In fact, when it was announced that I was the new weatherman on Sunrise, it's a pretty big deal. Sunrise is the, the highest rating breakfast TV show in Australia. It's everyone knows it, whether they love it or hate it. Everyone knows it. It's an institution. Yeah. So it was a big deal. And when it was announced, the most common reaction was from my mates in Adelaide who texted me saying, is this a typo because you didn't know anything about the weather. They're like, I've never heard you speak about the weather once in your life. And then other things like, you're not even a meteorologist, all of that kind of thing. So, but that just made me laugh. And the reason that I took the job was because I actually filled in for a couple of weeks prior to being offered the job. And I I got this sense of, wow, this is so much more than just the weather. Of course, the weather is a big part of it, but the weather often is 30 seconds of my segment. And then there's two and a half minutes to do anything but the weather. So it's really about people, it's about travel, and it's about um, live TV. And I love the spontaneity of live TV. I love that things can go wrong and you have to adapt and you have to improvise and, you know, it's not all set and you can't just have another go if something goes wrong when you're live. So that, that energy is really exciting to me. So that's why I took the job. And, and here I am, you know, five and a half years into it and I still know nothing about the weather. You know what's funny? I love that you admit that because I feel like, no weatherman knows anything about the weather. Like it's never that accurate, right? That I'm like, at least you admit it. Yeah. At yeah. Least- I, I mean, I, I, I speak the truth. And in fact, and I talked about this in my book, um, on at least, I think it's seven occasions I've done the segment and completely forgotten to throw to the weather forecast. So, so I'm supposed, as you would have seen the day that we had you on, you know, I chat with you for a minute or so, then I do the weather and then we chat for another two minutes. So it's kind of in two halves. But on, on seven or eight occasions, I've interviewed someone or done a segment and felt, oh, that was great. And then I'll say to the team in the studio, we'll be back with more in half an hour. And then there's an awkward pause. And then Koshi has to go, ah, did you do the weather? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? It's like, that's the thing I noticed about live TV is it almost happens so quickly. A bunch of people asked me if I was nervous to do that. And I honestly thought I would have been heading up there. But I think it happens so quickly. You don't even get a minute to think about that. Like I remember yeah. standing with you on set and they're like, we're going live in like 10 seconds. And then I remember looking at dad and he's trying to flag me down to say the vlog camera turned off. So I had to, <laughs> I had to run off. I think, I think at that point, I think at that point, um, my producer, Sean Flynn, the human emoji may have intervened and said, don't worry about that. It's on our main camera, which is yeah. going to a few hundred thousand people. It'll yeah. be fine. You'll get a copy of it. The vlog camera can wait, guys. Yeah, exactly. And I think I just made it back with about two or three seconds, but it happens so quickly. So I can imagine. And I actually heard you the other day. I listened to your podcast with Sam Armitage 
And yeah. actually, funnily enough, I realized we've got very similar podcast names. She's something to talk about, which I thought was quite funny. Um, and you shared a story about where one day a live cross kind of went wrong and there was a hanging magician. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, there's been a few, there's been a few moments where it, it genuinely has gone wrong. Most of the time I love them, but I remember on this day actually being concerned because the guy, he's a fantastic magician based out of Gold Coast, Matt Hollywood. And I mean, of course, you have to be a magician when your name's Matt Hollywood and yeah. you have to live on the Gold Coast when your surname's Hollywood. And he, we've had him on the show a number of times, but he was going to try a really elaborate stunt in this one where he was hanging upside down and it was, it was actually quite dangerous. And he said to us, he said, look, I'll be hanging upside down a few minutes before the cross. You know, I can only, and he had to get himself out of a straitjacket while he's hanging upside down, you know, okay. otherwise it basically a thing would drop on him and he'd be cut in half kind of energy. So classic magician stuff. Yeah. Right? And um, so we said to him, and this is true, we don't know exactly what time we'll be on. We know roughly when our segment will be on, but we don't know because the news can go for, we're on after the news. The news can go for four minutes or it can go for nine minutes, depending on what's happening that day, depending on if they have a live interview in the middle of the news. So we said to him, don't get ready too early because we could be waiting too long and it's just not going to work out. But he said, oh, no, I, I think I'm, I think I'll be good. I'm going to get myself in there. So he straps, straps himself in. He's all ready to go. And then, of course, this is one of the times where the news runs really long. So we can see him starting to sweat, starting to struggle a little bit. And we know that we're still a few minutes away. And we said to him, look, you've got time. If you want to undo it and then get back in, you've got time. We've got at least a couple of minutes. He's like, no, no, I've committed to it now. I'm, I'm good for a few more minutes. And the news keeps going on and on and on. And we're getting really worried. And it gets to a point where about 30 seconds or so before they're going to come to us, he's blue in the face. He's actually blue in the face. And we're really worried. His dad is there and his dad is an old police officer and is always involved in the stunts and he knows the ins and outs. And he could tell that his boy was in trouble. So he said, look, forget about the show. Just make sure he's okay. And his dad had to kind of give him um, mouth to mouth and resuscitate wow. him. And then as they're doing that, they cross to me. So, so they're like, yeah, g'day, guys. Look, we were going to do a bit of a surprise, but we might do that a little bit later on. Uh, we're here in, on the Gold Coast. Let's do a check of your weather. Yeah, <laughs> Just to okay. pass the time. He was okay, but that's the thing. Like live TV is, um, is, you know, is so unpredictable with timings and things happen at the wrong time. And, you know, even this week, for example, we were literally about to do a live cross with this lion experience at the Western Sydney Zoo where you can hold a bit of meat up to the fence and the lion actually eats the meat through the fence. It's pretty incredible. Like lions are my favorite animals. So to be that close mm. to a beast like a lion with, with the head that size and to feel their breath and feel their presence and the intensity in their eyes up close, it was unbelievable. But as we're, again, 30 seconds before the cross, I don't know whether they can feed off our energy of like getting close to going live, but the lion turns around and just starts urinating. And I don't know if you've seen a lion urinate, but it's kind of like a fountain and they, they do it backwards. It's quite spectacular. It's like backwards. the Bellagio, yeah, Bellagio fountains in Las Vegas and it's just spraying everywhere. And it got all over my good pair of RMs and I'm just going, <laughs> only I would be urinated on by a lion as I'm yeah. about to go live on TV. But that's what I love about the job and that's what I love about live TV. You you start the week and you just don't know where it's going to take you. And to me, that's more, much more exciting and interesting than being in an office and having a standard job where you know what's going to happen every day. It's funny you say that, right? I was talking about this this morning. So I've just recently, like the rest of the world, watched Squid Games. I don't know if you've watched it. Same, yeah, I have. Did you watch yeah. it in Korean or in English? We watched the first episode with the uh, American voiceover overdub and yeah. I really didn't like it because, you know, 
they don't they don't look like they come from the the south of you know of america yeah, they're south not from of texas, texas, yeah, they're from texas. And it's just kind of it was just messing with my enjoyment of feeling the authenticity of the show so we changed it for the second and some people didn't even know you can do that you can you've got the option on netflix to change so second episode we watched with the korean language and then the subtitles and it was so much better yeah. so much better did you find that yeah, I found that as well. I was lucky, though, that I had a few people suggest that before I started. Yeah, I was maybe a little bit late to, to jump on the Squid Games boat. But the reason I bring it up is because you just spoke about there, like the spontaneity of live TV and what makes it so exciting is the, the unknown. What's next? We don't know. We can't predict it. And I guess the message that I got out of that TV show without spoiling it for anyone who hasn't seen it was those words that they shared at the end where it was like, life is more fun when you're playing the game and not just spectating. And I think that's actually a really good way of looking at your job is we kind of all spectate and we still get to enjoy it. But the fun that you would have in the moment with the unpredictability of it is really what live TV and and being the weatherman of sunrise is all about. If you look back at your past careers and the way that um, your time on radio has formed you into the presenter that you are now and the journalist that you are now. Has that changed over time? And have those environments that you work within changed the way that um, you project your personality on camera or behind a microphone? Absolutely. And that's that's a really good observation. I'd never really thought of it like that connecting to TV, but you you are right. That's It's a good life lesson and it, and it definitely applies to TV. I think the radio is great because radio, you know, like podcasting is, I guess, um, in many respects, a very intimate medium. You know, mm. a lot of people are probably listening to this on their commute. It's literally just them in a car and us. So it's just three of us catching up or they're on a train going to work or they're going for a run. And they're so it's, it's, it's quite intimate. And what that teaches you to do is remember, instead of thinking I'm talking to 100,000 people, thinking I'm talking to you and I'm also talking to one other person right now. So that's a really good skill set they teach you for radio. And I think I've applied a bit of that to TV. But the other thing that that I've learned in terms of getting out of your comfort zone and, and you know, people wanting to be a spectator on what you're going through is it's okay to put yourself in positions where you don't know what's going to happen. And a lot of people won't do that on TV because it needs to be so well produced and they need to know what they're going to end with. And just their style is they need to know beginning, middle, end. Whereas I'm not like that. I'm Often I'm happy, it depends on the scenario, but I'm often happy to just go within, into it with beginning, middle, and then we'll see, okay. where end, we'll see where end ends up. That's okay. Sometimes that backfires, but I'd much rather go down that path and accept that a few of them won't work because the ones that do work are much more memorable and will connect with the audience in a big way because it's authentic. You know, um, I've got to be able to put myself out of my comfort zone. I did that on day one. On day one of Sunrise, they, they had me do a different challenge every week, almost like initiation as the new guy, but of course everything happens on the air. So on day one, I was blindfolded. Uh, I knew that we were in Brisbane. We were staying at a hotel in Brisbane. They picked me up at, at the hotel at 4 a.m., blindfolded me, put me in a car. It's almost like Squid Game, actually. Yeah. I wasn't eliminated, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> there was no red light, green light going on. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they put me in a car and they, they put up the music really loud so that I didn't hear any of the chatter in the front. It was, it was quite full on on my first day. I'm blindfolded. Eventually, I get to this location 40 minutes out of Brisbane. I don't know where I am or what I'm doing. Um, they lead me out of the car. And I've still got my blindfold on. Then 10 minutes later, we do the first cross. And the team said, welcome to Sunrise, Sam. You're our new weatherman. Great to have you. Why don't you take your blindfold off and see what you're doing today? I remove the blindfold and I see a go-kart track. 
And I'm like, fantastic. This is great. I love go-karting. This is going to be awesome. What a great start. Thank you, team. And then they say, no, 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 turn around. And I turn around and there's an enormous sign behind me with one word, bungee. So oh. above the go-kart track is a bungee jumping thing in a place called Logan in Queensland. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not an adrenaline junkie. I'm not an extreme person. I'm not one of those psychos who does that kind of thing for fun. You probably are. Are you, are you one of those adrenaline no, junkies? To be honest, I'm actually terrified of falling from heights. I'm fine with heights, the idea of falling. I'm one of those people that have those dreams where I'm falling all the time in my sleep. Yeah. Hate it. Hate it. So I'm like, yes, you. Same. keep yes, me on the same. ground. I mean, although you're happy to run 42Ks, you know, you know, when, when you've got shoes attached to you and all sorts hey, going We on. all pick our poison, right? <laughs> that's true. That's true. Anyway, so that was quite a, a challenging morning for me because never in a million years would I willingly bungee jump in my own personal time. That is not my character. It's not something I would do. But there's a performer part of me and there's, I guess, an ego part of me. And there's a part of me that wants to do a good job because I've just started uh, It's a first impression for the audience. I want to, I want people to have a good day of entertainment. So there's a part, I'm, my brain is split down the middle. I'm like, I really don't want to do this. The other part of my brain is I should do this. It'd be good TV. It'd be a good start to my new job. So then when you're standing up there and that's the other thing, because the good stuff on TV, the big moments you try to aim to happen in prime time, which is 7.30 or eight o'clock. So if you're building to a big moment, which meant that I had two and a bit hours up there on the ledge waiting before I could do the jump. So I'm just trying not to look down the whole time, just trying to like keep yeah. my eyes up here, keep looking anywhere but down. And then eventually it got to the segment, the host did the countdown, you know, five, four, three, two, one, bungee. And I just did it. I just kind of let go and just flew through the air. And then there's no more of a feeling of relief than when that cord catches and you know that you haven't smashed into the cement and you just start swinging. And then it was like, I just stream of consciousness. I just said, I love you, mom. I love you, dad. Like, you know, I didn't plan to say yeah. this stuff. It's just, you're in this scenario. And I think there's something great about that. And I think you often get good TV when you don't overthink it and don't overplan what you're going to say for those moments. Sometimes you need to, but in those moments, just let whatever happens, happens. And I think that that's the stuff that connects because I had so many people who are watching the show that day write to me saying, oh my God, I felt your pain. I could feel that you didn't want to do that. I would have been exactly the same. I was like, you know, wincing watching you. I could feel what you were going through, but you did it. Well done. You confronted your fears and thanks for sharing it with us. Yeah, that's amazing. Dan, that's a, that's a lovely little reward for you, especially in the early stages of a new job to get that recognition and to know that you're off to a really good start in your relationship with the Australian public which has yeah. become a huge part of what you do, right? You sort of touched on it there before. The weather is such a small part. Actually, one of the notes I'd written down, I don't often do some research, but I thought sitting down with a journalist, I probably should, right? <laughs> I was like, you know, the one thing I noticed is you've said in, in a few um, podcasts and other interviews before that the weather is a small part of this and really it's about people and connection. And more specifically, a lot of the stuff you're doing is about um, really important causes and getting behind initiatives that are going to do good for Australians, um, you know, the everyday Australian or the Australian who may be affected by cystic fibrosis. And yeah. I think that's something that um, you should definitely give yourself a pat on the back for. And I know you're a humble man, so you probably won't, but it's something that us as the public and the viewers really appreciate. But what have you Thank learned you. from the Australian public over the course Thank of this you. five and a bit years? Thanks, Brad. That's a lovely compliment. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, what have I learned? Look, I've, it's, there's something about my role 
there's not many roles like my role on TV anywhere in the world where you're live every morning, where you're at a different place every day, where you're meeting complete strangers often every day, where you're meeting all walks of life, where random people walking their dog can suddenly come through and be in your segment. So you really do get a slice of all walks of life. Um, and the other part about my job, which is different to the team in the studio most days, is that I meet people face to face. And everybody knows, particularly what we've all been through with COVID and lockdowns and, and what have you, there's, you, can't, you can't beat face-to-face, -face, real life, meeting someone in person. Like Zoom is good, but face-to-face, -face, there's a reason, you know, that, that's the main form of communication. So you, you look people in the eye and you get a sense of who they are and what, what they're all about and what motivates them and, and what, what they care about. And, and I love that. And like we were talking about with your story, I love that it's almost like I'm piecing together a puzzle. It's like, okay, here are the important things of this story. How do I make this palatable to our audience in a short snapshot? We don't have time to go into the whole story. Let's get the best bits. But it's finding the humanity, finding the essence of, you know, why do you try to do a marathon? What is this all about? I, and I love trying to kind of peel back the layers of that and get to the core of why you try to do it. And, and I think we did that. And I love sharing those stories. And, and you find that everywhere you go. Anywhere, anywhere that I go around Australia, I'm lucky, you know, I'm very lucky that I have the in of a lot of people watch the show and already know who I am or where, where we're from. And, and they know that I'm coming um, from, a, from a good place. Like I'm not yeah. trying to throw any, anyone under the bus. I'm there to kind of champion you. I'm there to share your stories and celebrate you. I might take the piss a little bit, but that's, that's all part of the fun. That's often a compliment. You know, we, we yeah. like you if we take the piss out of you. That's the Australian way, isn't it? So it is. Yeah, look, I meet people and I, I just love people's stories. You know, um, in the book, I write about Chris Grigg, um, a guy with MND, and I'd never met anyone with MND before. So when I met him and then I met him another maybe six months after and I'd seen how much MND had affected him in that time and it affected his family and, you know, he'd gone from this guy who was a pretty burly former footy player in South Australia, he ran a gym, you know, to suddenly he needs someone to help him eat, you know, and, and his, his speech has slowed down and, and he's slurring and, and I just connect with people like that and I kind of feel, well, I love that I can use my platform to share that story and to hopefully get a little more uh, awareness, support, donations, um, whatever it might be. But also sometimes just to say, hey, what a great guy. How good is this guy? He's gone through all of this, but he's still raising money. You know, like you, someone like yourself, you've gone through all of those battles, all of those struggles, and it's not all fun and it's not all, you know, podcasts and photos. It's not all that. We know the reality of it. It's really mm. tough and it's tough for your family. You know, I met your dad. Like, they've been through so much. But then what you're doing is it's all in your head. You're turning it into a positive and you're bringing people along for that ride. And I just think that is, that is the best thing that you can do in that scenario. And so many people in similar challenges, they might not be the same, but similar challenges take something from that. And they wake up that morning, they see you on TV and they go, wow, he's not sitting down and crying and whinging about how tough his life is and saying, why me? He's saying, I'm going to get out there and bring people together. I'm going to raise money. I'm going to challenge myself. And we're going to have some great laughs along the way. I just think that's fantastic. So anytime I find someone with a story like that, it's an honor for me to share it with hundreds of thousands of people on Sunrise. I have to say too, Sam, um, I probably didn't message you about this um, immediately post-show. I know I messaged and said thank you and we connected on social. And um, one thing I, I really hadn't shared with you and Sean yet, um, Sean's Sam's producer, for those of you listening, watching, I'm sure we'll talk about the human emoji soon, <laughs> um, is... The amount of people that connected with me off the back of that interview on Sunrise, 
specifically people in the CF community and a lot of them mums and dads, there were some really beautiful stories. And for me, some stuff that brought absolute tears to my eyes later that day, receiving messages from families who were really touched to hear the story. And it was, for me, it was a massive reminder that the first year of 42 for CF was really about me conquering my own demons and almost knowing that I was going to achieve it, but proving to myself that, hey, I'm possible of all of this. And this second year almost felt like for all the challenges that arose again and, you know, the severity of this year's challenges that it was really about showing the the Australian CF community and the Australian public that really nothing's impossible. And for all the challenges we face, there are lessons to be learned and there's resilience and strength that's built in the character throughout those moments. And I had a mum message me that morning after seeing the interview and she said she's got a three-year-old daughter with CF who was CF kids with CF eat really high calorie diets to try and help put on weight. And she said she was sitting there eating a wheat bix with sugar and condensed milk. And she said (laughs) three years of age, literally his cystic fibrosis on the TV jumps up from the brekkie table, sprints to the TV, watches our interview and talked about us all day. And I'm like, that's, that's so special to me. Like for me to feel like I can have that impact and it comes off the back of, you allowing me to have that platform to share. So, you know, it's, I commend you so much and I'm so thankful for the opportunity that you and Sean have given me to come and share my story because what you do every day, and this is something that I know you've probably realized, you know, over the course of the last five and a half years, but you might not realize um, the impact it has for each and every person that you connect with, but it's life-changing for people every day. And that's something really special. Thank you, mate. Um, we do we do really work in that work hard in that area. That that is a big part of what Sean and I, when we sit down at the start of the year, we we try to find these stories and these people and and share them in the best way that we can. Um, we love now that we do have a bit of a reputation for it, so a lot of them come to us, which is terrific. You know, people feel that it's a safe space to come and share their stories, their initiatives, or their charities, or whatever they might be doing. And we can't do them all but we, we try our best to get as many on as we can. And then we try to do them justice when we have them on. And, and sometimes it is tough in a, in a really tight time slot, you know, to tell a story and get people invested and get people to understand it. But, but we love that we can do that. And, and I love that you got all those messages straight after that's, that's, um, that's a huge compliment to the way that you shared the story as well. You know, people bought into the authenticity and they bought into the idea of, of what you guys are doing and they want to be a part of it. And yeah, I, I think you're, not just for people, you know, with, with cystic fibrosis, but you're a great role model for, for any young person who might be going through a challenge to go. So much of it is in the head. I'm sure you, you're, you obviously are aware of this, but I don't know how much you talk about it on the show, but so much of it is how you process something. You can focus on the bit that really makes you upset and makes you sad and, and the challenges and the tough parts of it. And that's part of it. It's okay to have those moments, but you can also go, but look at all the things I can do. Look at all the possibilities, these endless possibilities of places I can go, things I can try. Mm. And even if you try a marathon and you, you get to 8Ks, I still respect you so much more than someone who didn't try a marathon or didn't try to do something positive about it. That's, that's a great part of the Australian mentality. And I find that in our role as well. We respect people who have a go. We respect people who have a crack at something. And even if it fails or if it doesn't go where you thought it was going to go, you'll get a high five or a pat on the back for saying, you know, you had a go. Well done. Yeah, really grateful for those kind words and I couldn't agree with you more. You spoke there and and I touched on it too. Um, 
your partner in crime, your producer, Sean, the human emoji, as you guys call him. What's that relationship between presenter and producer like? And how important is that? Like, I guess almost you can almost then uh, roll on from that discussion into what it looks like to build these shows every morning, because I don't think people grasp how much work actually goes into just, you know, that three minutes on air every half hour. Yeah, he, he is unbelievable. You know, there's a chapter about him in my book. And I'll tell you one thing for free. Not many TV hosts will write a chapter about their producer. Or if they do, it's normally about a court case. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, we haven't had that yet. Um, look, he, he's one of my best friends. I spend more time with him than, than I do with my family. Um, not by choice. Uh, <laughs> but well, we were just kind of put together. It was just... Uh, you know, my book's called Accidental Weatherman because I never set out to be a weatherman. I just kind of stumbled into it and here I am. But, you know, our, our relationship in terms of, you know, producer and host is also accidental. I got the job. He'd been filling in for a little while as the weather producer. And we just instantly, we had a couple of very core fundamental beliefs about television in common. I guess the first one is to... Um, spread positive energy, try to find good stories and try to find the good in people. Now that's been more important than ever over the past two years with the pandemic to try to find those positives. Some days it's been really hard, but then we come up with things like Plug-A-Palooza where we just plug and promote people's small businesses. Great. And then you do things like, um, you know, the charity people with great charity initiatives. You So finding positives. So we both have that. He's a really good person deep down and, and you know, sometimes not, not everyone in TV is a good person deep down. Um, he certainly is. Uh, he loves taking risks. And some producers are risk averse because they're a bit safe and they don't want to upset anyone, don't want to upset the apple cart. They want to keep things steady. And we've always done it this way, so we'll keep it like this. He's not like that. And that works well with someone like me because I'm a big risk taker with content. I mean, calculated and, and you've got to think about it, but I would much rather fail spectacularly than just do something mediocre and, and no one ever remembers you. That's not what I'm about. So he was great with that. And the other thing is he, he backs me in. I could come up with the craziest idea, the silliest idea. I could send him a message at midnight for, for an idea for something the next morning and he will somehow make it happen. So he's got a can-do attitude. Um, and we were just put together. Look, I call him the human emoji because you've met him. He looks like the emoji, basically the spherical bald head with the glasses and the big cheeky smile. That, that's what he looks like. So he is the human emoji. He's also known as um, plus-size golem. He looks a little bit like Gollum if, if Gollum had been in a good paddock. Look, I've got a lot of anorexic George Costanza. Um, Mr. Sheen, if you want a Google image search, Mr. Yeah. Sheen. Look, I could go on for hours, but he's brilliant at what he does. Um, every person he, he encounters or works with is a fan of his, and that's so rare. Even, even sponsors and clients and other producers, he just has a way of connecting with people and making people feel special and included. And we take great pride in what we do, even though it might seem a little bit... Um, you know, chaotic, we take great pride in getting it right. And if, say, for example, this week when we go to Orange, we want to leave Orange and we want the, the locals of Orange because they'll all talk. They'll meet at the cafes. They'll talk at the footy club. We want them to go, hey, those Sunrise guys were great fun and, and they really made us look good. That was cool. So, so yeah. we take that very seriously. Even, even though, as you would have seen, we're pretty relaxed and we muck around and we love a joke, we, we, we take it seriously in getting it right and, and we take it seriously how we're perceived when we meet people. You know, if we're coming into your town, we, we need to respect you and respect what you're all about, but also have some fun and take the piss and, and share the great things about your town. Definitely. Talk to me about building the shows every day. 
um, and what goes into all of this prep? Like what, what would a typical day for you, I know it's going to change as you begin to travel, but like, say for example, um, these past months, especially through COVID, what would a typical day look for you? Like when are you getting to the station or when are you getting on location and sort of how does the day finish? A typical day would be my alarm would go off at 3.47 a.m., um, which is rather offensive, but that's yeah. not that's not the final alarm. That's one of the precursor alarms. So then I have another alarm set for normally around 3.57 a.m. That's kind of my preliminary alarm, which means, yeah. you know, you're about to get up, mate. And then the 4.07 is norm- normally the non-negotiable. So that's okay. like you have to get up. If you want to keep your job, you've got to get up. And I actually have a note on my phone. You know how on your iPhone you can put little notes under the alarm times, yep. like a reminder of what you're doing? Underneath the 407, it says, do it for Koshi. Okay. Um, so, so, so every day, Koshi is my motivation. Um, the, the grandfather of sunrise. So I get up, I go have a quick shower. I put a little bit of powder under my eyes to cover the bags under my eyes. Yeah. I slick the hair up a little bit, put on some deodorant, put on the shirt, hopefully an iron shirt. Otherwise, I get hate mail from my mum, Loretta, in Adelaide saying, yeah. you didn't iron that shirt. I can see the creases. Yeah. Um, and then... I will either get a cab to the location or I'll drive to the location. I'll get there normally 20 minutes or so before the first cross. Sean and I will have, Human Emoji and I will have a little chat about what the morning's going to involve. I mean, I know the gist of it, but we'll kind of refresh. We'll talk about our first guest and we'll kind of get ready. And then the first cross is on from 5.30ish a.m. And that's basically saying, good morning, Koshi. Good morning, Nat. This is where we are today. Coming up this morning, we're going to do this, this and this. Let's do your weather. Then I'll do the weather. And then that's the first one done. The first segment's pretty easy. But then as the morning goes on, we kind of build. We're on every half an hour. We have guests coming in. We have stunts sometimes, um, all sorts of things. You, you never know what's going to be on each day. It's a bit different. So get to 9 a.m. and the show's finished. And normally we'll have a bit of a meeting about the next day's show. So we'll talk about some ideas. You know, do we need any props? Do we need to plan anything for it? How can we make it a bit better? Like what can we bring into this to make it even better than just the basic ideas? And then I'll do a lot of social media. That's a big part of it. I love social media. Um, and it's also just something that's part of our job now. I don't have to do it, but I get a real buzz out of it. And as I'm sure you find, that's where you find these amazing connections now. You know, 30 years ago, people just wouldn't have had this instant, like us, they see you on TV, bang, they send you a message, you've got it two seconds later. And yeah, that's crazy. And I'm lucky, you know, I'm at a level now where, what, I don't know, 100 and, almost 150,000 followers. So people are writing to me every morning, good, bad, the ugly, you know, that shirt's terrible. That was a bad joke. And that's just for my family. Um, so, so look, you just, you're just getting this constant flow of feedback, but I love it because that's where I connect with people. You know, we did an interview together and we connected on social media. And now here I am doing your show. And I've had yeah. countless examples like that. Um, Chris Grieg, who I was talking about before with MND, we connected on social media. So I really got to know him before we eventually met in person. So then after that, I like to just do a bit of, you know, fitness or breakfast or something for a couple of hours, switch off because the high intensity part of my day is always the show live, live on air is the the most important part of the day. And then in the afternoon, I might have a phone call with Sean, or we might sort of plan bigger picture things. I might have an idea for something we want to try in a couple of weeks, or we might have a follow up on something that's changed for the next day. Uh, I might have a radio interview promoting the show where I'll go on one of the radio shows in Queensland or in South Australia. Um, Every day is a bit different. Like you said, travel is normally a big part of my day. In an average year, I would normally do over 100 flights in this job. It's constantly at the airport. Um, None of them are in first class, just FYI. Uh, Koshi, always first class. Again, FYI. Um, But look, it's, it's an amazing job. 
I mean, I, I wrote the book about it because I just felt I want to share with people what this job is actually like. It's uh, there's not many jobs like it, and I'm very privileged to have had the chance to do it. And I definitely want to keep going for a bit longer with it. How has the book been for you in self-reflection? Because the reason I asked this is I was asked by somebody to do a podcast on my childhood recently. Um, someone who I don't know all that well, a, a girl similar age to me in the area, just sent me a message on Instagram and said, hey, would love to hear about your childhood because to see what you're doing now, it'd be really interesting to see where your mindset was birthed and, and how that was, I guess, crafted and supported as a child through your parent relationships and so forth. And I thought, you know, what? I feel like I want to write about this. So I began writing and almost in a journal-like way, found myself then 25,000 words into wow. a script. And then actually off the back of the Sunrise interview, I had publishers reach out and I've had a few right. meetings and spoken wow. to a few people as well. And I'm sort of like 75% of the way through crafting this book. But the thing that's been right. really special for me is it's been the ultimate self-analysis and self-awareness project for teaching me about some of the moments in my life that I thought I was tapped into, but have actually been um, real lessons for me now in this present age, being able yep. to reflect on it. What was it like for you writing the book and looking back? Exactly what you were just saying. I mean, I didn't go into my childhood. My book, Accidental Weatherman, is about this job. I mean, there's a few little side, little tangents and references to things from before that, but really the, the, the essence of the book, because there's so many stories and there's so much travel and there's so many people and so many moments the essence of the story is about, you know, that five or so years, it's about this job. But yes, um, when I looked at, well, well, the first thing that it did, it was a lot of self-reflection, which I don't normally do, um, not on that level anyway. I'm very much a moving forward kind of guy. I guess I have to be in this job. You know, I finish one show and we start planning the next. You know, you haven't got time to dwell on it and think too much about it. So this process of writing the book, I would have a Zoom meeting with the publisher every Friday, she would fire a heap of questions at me. We would talk. I wrote every single word as well. So I would send her stuff. She would give me feedback. She would say, can you tell us a bit more about how you were feeling at that moment or why you did this thing? You know, why do you write back to all these strangers on social media when a lot of people in your position just don't because they don't have time or they, you know, it doesn't mean as much to them. Why do you do that? And the answer to that one is because I get a real um, sense of satisfaction out of connecting with people. And, and some of my, my most amazing and treasured connections have come through writing back to people or just reading them. You find, you, you find a few gems in there. And, and so that's why I do that. Um, I, I, you know, maybe this isn't the right way to look at it, but I value that feedback, that feedback much more than I do from one of the bosses saying that was a good segment or that was a good show. I value the message from, like you said, a mother of a three-year-old who you know, was inspired by what you're doing, who has cystic fibrosis and says, I want to go and try and do these things. And that's more powerful than your boss saying you're doing a good job. I mean, it's great if you can have both. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it did, it really made me, um, I guess, yeah, self-analyze. And thankfully, I was really proud of a lot of what I, what I looked at. I kind of looked at so many um, special moments that we share with people and people that I know are on board with what I'm doing and support me all the way and vice versa. You know, anytime they write to me, I would help out in any way I can. I love that all over the country, I can go to any part of Australia now and I've probably got a friend there or at least someone that we've had a few great segments with. Um, you know, it, it also kind of got to the core of why we do what we do. I think Sean and I, for a lot of it, were just doing it and a lot of it was off instinct, but we we got to why we do what we do. And, and I, I love that I can start someone's day, a complete stranger, no matter where they are. And I don't know what's going on in their life. 
they can put on the TV and often I might be one of the first faces they see and I can start their day with them having a smile or a laugh or learning something or rolling their eyes at one of my bad jokes. Um, I love that. I love that there's an intimacy that comes with being the first face or the first voice that someone hears at the start of the day. There's a bit of trust involved in that. And, and people form a powerful connection with you. I meet people out and about and they'll come up to me and they'll give me a big hug. And I don't know them from a bar of soap, but then I'll get chatting with them. I'll get to know them, but they know me because they see me every day. They, they know what I stand for. They know what type of person I am. They know that I'm there to make their town look good. Um, so it really made me look at how we do TV, why we do it the way that we do it, what's important about it, what we can be better in. It, it did make me self-analyze. Um, it made me proud. You know, there's a chapter in there about mental health. You know, and I'm, I'm an ambassador for Are You OK Day. Um, I've lost a friend to suicide. So there's a chapter dedicated to him, but also it touches on my learnings in, you know, I've yeah. been having these mental health conversations for over a decade now. And I was on board with Are You OK almost from the beginning. And now I'm one of the main ambassadors. And that's something that I'm really proud of. And, and I use my platform. Thank you. I use my platform to, to continue, particularly with young men, to get those conversations going. And I'm really really um, pleased with where it's at now compared to one, two, three, five years ago. I remember when the first time I talked about it publicly, you know, losing a friend was live on a radio show. And I remember not being able to sleep the night before. I was so petrified about saying the wrong thing. And I was so worried, you know, what if his family aren't happy with what I've said, even though I've got permission from them to talk about it. And then it's amazing. You know, once I did that segment, I talk about it in the chapter, just the, the, the flow, the, the response of love, that I had from all walks of life who were listening to that show, people connected, people who had family members who were going through mental health challenges, people who were going through mental health challenges themselves, but hadn't had the courage to speak up about it to anyone, were talking to me about it. And I wanted that to be a positive interaction for them to say, hey, this is awesome. You're talking to someone. This is great. Now let me hopefully guide you to now have this conversation with one of your mates or, you know, or a family member. Or, or if you're not comfortable with that yet, here are some great organizations like Lifeline or like, are you okay? Um, who have counsellors, professionals who are, are there for you anytime, day or night to help you with this. And, and I love that, you know, I've been able to use my platform to do, and I've had some incredible conversations and some really hard conversations and dark conversations. And in the book, I touch on a lady who was close to hanging herself and she, you know, had watched one of my segments and it kind of just changed her perception for a moment about where she was at and, and it got her, you know, off that track and onto another track and, and she was she was okay. So, look, it's um it's something that I I take very seriously. Obviously, the the mental health side of it, and it's one of the most important things that I do. Uh, and I love that you know as much as I love to be silly and to have fun and make people smile and have those laughter those moments. It's it's just as important to to make people feel if they're going through that stuff that that there's help out there and there's support out there and it's okay to talk up about it. And I feel that things have come such a long way. When I was first having those chats on the air it was nowhere near what it's like today. Now I think it's so much more commonly accepted, which is great. We've yeah. still got work to do, but, but I feel that we're heading the right direction with it, you know? And you know what? I have to say, like, I commend you for being able to write about it in the book. And I know it's very hard to speak about personal experiences and especially losing someone so close to you. But I'm a firm believer in vulnerability is the bridge that connects human beings. And yeah. when you're able to be vulnerable, whether it be with your story or a story of loss with someone who's very close to you, it allows people to feel so connected and so comfortable sharing with you. And I know that 
um, whether it be you having those really honest, honest and vulnerable conversations or whether it just being your presence on the air every day and the way that you make people smile and laugh and feel good and give them that bit of energy and positive emotion in the mornings. Um, it's doing so much for people and their mental health. So you should be very proud of that and continue to do that and continue to be all that you are because so many people gain from it incredibly. Oh, thank you, Brad. That's that's really cool and, and vice versa, mate. I feel, yeah, you, you're doing exactly the same thing. You're, and particularly with, with the cystic fibrosis community, you know, you're, you're really paving the way to show a, a, it's almost a simple mindset shift. It's like focusing on what you can do rather than what you can't, you know, like focusing on, all right, what's the positive spin that we can go on this? Where can we take this in a, in a good way? Um, which is just an awesome thing that you're doing. So that's why I was, you know, super proud to come on your, your show and, and have a chat. I appreciate that so much. I want to finish this off with some, I guess, sort of rapid fire questions. Um, the yeah. first one being, obviously, you're, I think you're signed for another 18 months on Sunrise. And I can imagine um, with all going as it has so far, you'd be happy to stay there for many more years. Is there something left in your career lifetime that you really want to do that you haven't had the opportunity to do yet? I think release a, release a gangster rap single has always okay. been something I've, I've thought about. I expected um, that. Yeah, yeah. So that's definitely up there. You know, I, in terms of TV, I'd really love to... I'm very ambitious. This is another thing that I would say to people, uh, and I think this is particularly relevant. Sorry, I know it's rapid fire. Australians, um, we should not be ashamed of being ambitious. Being ambitious is healthy. It's okay to tell your friends, your workmates, your family, I want to achieve this. Even if it's... I want to go to space. The craziest thing, the biggest thing. Ambition is healthy. Don't hide it. So I'm ambitious. I want to host a primetime TV show. Um, that's love on it. my list. I want to release a children's book. That's on my list. Um, I've got a, I've got a list of things that I want to do. So yeah, ambition is is a great thing. And I'm a massive believer in what you believe is what you'll become. So like you said, be ambitious and don't be afraid to share it with the world. Now, look, this one's a little bit more serious. It's been rumored that Steve Carell's character on Anchorman, Brick Tamlin, was inspired by you. Is there any truth to that? And if so, do you, in fact, love Lamp? <laughs> you know what? You have, you've exposed it. This is, this is an exclusive you've got here. It's a Sam Max exclusive because I am very heavily based on Brick. Um, I, I can't say that I love Lamp, though. My, my catchphrase is a little bit different. It is, I love ring light. Okay. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And I've heard you speak about ring lights enough that I know that there's actually truth to that. Um, they work wonders. I've got two lights. There is. I mean, right honestly, now. like it, you've met me in real life. In real life, I'm probably about a hard five out of 10. Give me yeah. a ring light and I'm pushing a 7.5. We're very relatable on that scale. It's, it's very similar to how I describe myself. <laughs> um, another question for you. Another rapid fire is what are some wise words you have for the younger listeners of this show who may be in the media space, may be in a completely other field, like complete other field, in the beginning of their career, how important is it and how can they focus on being authentically themselves? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, for that one, I would say don't be afraid to take risks. And if there's people telling you to do things in a certain way, of course you take that on board. But if your gut is telling you there's another way to do it, and even though it might be a little bit different, I would say take that path. Because even if it fails, you'll learn something from it. But the other side of that is the sweet spot where suddenly you'll carve your own space, which is what I like to think that I've done. And I, 
try to continue down that path. So take risks and back your own gut instincts on how you think things should be done. Yeah, I love that advice. It's great. Talk to me about maybe one or two of the best relationships that you forged throughout your time on air and on TV. Yeah. Um, Aaron, there's a young young kid named Aaron who um, has cerebral palsy and he we met him at a school at Roselle Public School and it was um, part of a fundraiser and he told me at the time, he's a really, I think he was about nine or ten at the time, but a really intelligent, sharp, switched on kid and like this kid's going to do all sorts of things. He could end up Prime Minister for all I know. He's one of those kids you're like, you're going to do something. I don't know what it is yet, but you're going to do something. And um, we were talking off the air and, and he said that his hero is Kurt Fernley. And he said, oh, I'm actually reading Kurt Fernley's book at the moment. I'm like, that, that's awesome. Like we've met Kurt Fernley. I kind of know him. He's obviously, he's a legend. I said, hey, in the next segment, why don't we give a, a shout out and, um, you know, and see if Kurt Fernley could like, you know, if you could get to meet him. And so in the next segment, we, we got on air and, and we spoke about how he was reading his book. And, and I said, Aaron, anything else you want to say? And he's like, yeah, if Kurt Fernley's watching, Kurt, could you visit my school? I'd really love to meet you. Please don't let me down. No. <laughs> so he's like tugging at the heartstrings. And then I, I forwarded it on to Kurt Fernley on Instagram. And Kurt got back to me that day and he said, well done. Um, what are his parent, what's his parents' phone number? I'll, I'll give them a call and, and we'll have a chat. So Kurt, man of his word, called them, I think that night and organized, because they live near Narrabeen or something, organized to meet him at this um, race running event that was coming up in a few months time. And now they're, now he's like a mentor. So I managed so to link those two, those two guys together. And Aaron will probably go on to, you know, compete in the Paralympics or he'll do something with, with his sport, obviously, but he'll, he'll do another amazing things away from his sport. So that's one of my favorites because it's just taking a chance and it's just connecting people. And Aaron's dad said, um, you know, you've actually changed our family's life by giving us this connection amazing. because now Aaron's meeting all these people. He's seeing all these possibilities and it kind of ties into what you're doing, which is, and Aaron's one of the, a prime example of that. Don't focus on what you can't do, focus on what you can do. And he, he's living that every minute. That's amazing. What a story. What a story. Um, one last thing is, this is something I've sort of been consistently asking my guests of recent times. And it applies to those people who are living with CF, those people who are just the everyday Aussies who are going through battles and challenges and struggles in their life right now. What would your advice be to them in these tough times? Yeah, it's a big question. And I think, you know, certainly with my work with Are You OK? and, and just with chatting with people through, through the pandemic, I think we've definitely had these types of conversations with friends. Um, look, my advice would be to not put too much pressure on yourself to fix everything straight away. And so, again, that's, it's a bit of a mindset shift. What it means is, you know, it's, it's probably unrealistic or almost impossible to completely fix everything if you're in this troublesome situation overnight. It just sadly doesn't work like that. So take that pressure off yourself. Just go, look, I'm working towards getting to this. And that might be in a week, in a month, in a year, you might not even need to put a timeline up, but just go, I'm working towards it. And then the next part of holding yourself accountable to that is to say, I need to be taking a few steps forward every day with this. So ask yourself, all right, no matter what, what, whatever that thing might be, you know, if it's you want to, if you feel you're drinking too much alcohol, you, you want to, you want to cut back on your alcohol. Sorry, it's just frozen there. Have you got me? Okay, Brad? Yeah, I can still hear you. Okay. You okay, I'll keep going. Yeah. Yeah. You just the screen's right. Do you want me to keep going? Yeah, keep going. All good. Yep. No worries, mate. Um, say you're wanting to give up alcohol. 
it might be too much to just go cold turkey and completely give it up. But you can take steps in the right direction by saying, look, on an average Saturday night, I've been having 11 drinks. This Saturday night, I'm going to have four or five. And then the next Saturday night, I'm, I'm going to try to just have two the next Saturday night. So basically just little steps, just chipping away, not putting too much pressure on yourself to solve everything straight away. I think that's the mistake that a lot of people make. Um, so that would be my advice. Just And be kind to yourself. Give yourself a pat on the back if you're taking a step in the right direction. Yeah, it's beautiful advice. All righty. So thank you so much for your time on the show here today, Sam. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, obviously being privileged enough to meet you in the last month or two, then being able to connect and have you on the show like this today um, is a real pleasure. I want to make sure that every one of the listeners, viewers who are tuning into today's episode, get the opportunity, not just to take this episode and get a lot from it, but get the opportunity to go and follow you in all walks of your life now, whether it be your work on the Sunrise Morning Show, whether it be what you're doing on social media, or just getting a copy of the book, um, which I'm sure they can do via audio file or hard copy, of course. Um, I'm going to make sure that all the links to your social tags and links to the book on, is it on Amazon? Uh, yes, it is. I'll make sure that all those links are here in the description. Um, I'd really advise that people go and pick up a copy of that book. It sounds like it's very entertaining. It also would have a lot of depth off the back of what we've spoken about today. I'd like to read a quick reference um, that was written on the front cover by your very good friend, Dr. Chris Brown. And he had to say that the factual accuracy of this book is exactly like Sam's weather forecast, which feels very accurate off the back of our discussions here today. Uh, but mate, it is an absolute pleasure every time I get to connect with you. And thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Oh, I've loved it, Brad. And um, honestly, I, I mean, every word that I say, I'm so impressed by what you're doing with the uh, 42CF. Um, shout out and lots of love to the cystic fibrosis community. Um, I just think it's great that you're all coming together, raising money and, and, and sticking together and, and making focus on the positives, which is what you're all about. So absolute pleasure. And uh, we'll see you soon. Sounds good. Take care, mate.